festive spirit and the, the decorations go up. And, and a lot of you thought, I appreciate a lot of you say, hey, you dressed festive for this season. Um, actually, this is my Georgia combination here. This is me, this is me celebrating the red and black attack from yesterday. So uh, it just happened to fit, except for the tie, of course. And, uh, and, and it does, and it's a fun time of year, and it's a busy time of year. And as I've said repeatedly, uh, this is a season of preparation. That's what Advent is. It is a season of, of preparation. But the, the question to begin to, to frame our thoughts, not just for today, but through this ent- these entire weeks to come, the question to ask yourself repeatedly, for me to ask myself repeatedly, is this. What are you preparing for? What ultimately, at the heart of this season, what are you preparing for? Are you preparing for the celebration of the birth of Christ? Are you preparing for the the opportunity to celebrate the unique way in which God has met us most powerfully and most clearly and most concretely in the birth of Jesus? Or are you, at its deepest sense, preparing for shopping sprees and Christmas parties and gift-giving? All of those things are, in and of themselves are fine. There's nothing wrong. We'll all do that. I'll do some of those things. But, but is that the heart of what this season is? Is this, um, as, as I saw one... Uh, analyst said that uh, this is a season of um, economic murder because we kill our bank accounts. Think about that, yeah. Um, and, and it was talking about how people overextend themselves, and that's a, that's a different point for a different time. But, but the question again, what are you preparing for? Because what God invites us to do this season and always is to, to, to not only to meet, be met by him, but to envision the future that is to come, to, 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 to remember the, the, the kingdom that was ushered by Christ, that, that was brought forth by Christ, and what that means to, to, to long for the better day that is promised. But the question then becomes, what's our calling in that waiting and longing, in that preparation and that looking forward? Who are we supposed to be? And, and that's what we're going to turn to today as we read portions of, of this scripture from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And uh, it, is, it is interesting because it's not what, what many of us think about. We start to prepare for for. Christmas, when we're in a season of Advent, this isn't one of those texts that a lot of us naturally turn to, uh, because Mark 13, like Matthew 24, very, very similar, um, talks about signs of the end times, talks about, it's an uh, apocryphal uh, chapter. And so we're going to turn to that because there's always some, some valuable truth that God speaks into our lives, even for this season, through these words. So, Mark 
chapter 13, beginning about midway through, actually probably a little bit further, at verse 24. It says, Jesus says, but in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall away from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that we would hear. That hearts would receive, that minds would be renewed. That these moments of worship and our time together, lifting our hearts in prayer and praise, these words that are spoken, the songs that are sung, would draw us close to you. Shaped by your Holy Spirit and called to faithfulness and obedience. This is your time, Lord. Do with us as you wish. In Christ we pray. Amen. So, I know this is hard for some of you to see in the back. How many of you know what this is? Seen these? Fidget spinners. It's a fidget spinner. I don't know. How many of you have, know what a fidget spinner is? Okay, not a ton of you. Um, it, it'll change as the services go on today, and especially teachers. Teachers know what fidget spinners are, don't you? Look at them. They're like, oh, we know, because they get confiscated all the time. They're little, um, I don't know what, they just, they just spin. They just, they just spin. This is my fidget spinner. I didn't co-opt this. This is mine. I bought this um, on Amazon, and I didn't buy it for the sermon. I bought it months ago for me because they're fascinating little things that just spin. This, is, this, is, this isn't an ordinary one. This is a very, very fancy one. This is 24-karat um, gold-plated um, <laughs> and, um, and probably not 24-karat. But, uh, but anyway... It's one of the fads of, I guess, this year. Again, the teachers are still going, oh, no. But it's one of these things that got really, really popular this year. And who knows how long it will last. Is it, is it ta tailoring off, teachers? Is it going down any? Is it still? Still ever all the time. So they're still big. But 
But this is, you know, one of those gifts that, that has gotten a lot of, you know, they're cheap. They're only a few bucks, and they come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. And, and again, they, um, you know, it's just one of those things that, that comes along every once in a while that everybody gets really excited. Well, not everybody, but, you know, kids and stuff get really excited about. I, uh, I was looking for my other one. I had two. Um, <laughs> and uh, that, that my son had taken, so I was going through his room looking for it because it lit up. And, um, but it's fun to go through your kid's stuff um, <laughs> because you get a sense. You can kind of trace, especially when they've kept stuff around. And, and for those of you who don't know, my son's in college now, so I can go through his room without violating his space because it's my space now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you find things that, that, that have come up through the years that become really popular uh, razor scooters were something that were that came um, hoverboards. I think last year, the year before, before they started blowing up, um, those were really popular. You can go back further years. Furbies uh, were big one year. Um, when I was growing up, not for me personally, but I remember there was the the Cabbage Patch craze. You remember those, those Cabbage Patch dolls? And um, you go back to the 70s, mid 70s. In 1975, you know what the big gift in 1975 Christmas season was? Pet Rocks. Pet Rocks. The guy, and somebody, how many of you remember Pet Rocks? Seriously. I, I was only two at the time, so I don't have a memory of Pet Rocks. Um, but uh, the, guy, the guy who invented Pet Rocks made like $1.5 million on that. You know, and, and I've got to put this away. I'm going to play with it the whole time. The point is there are fads. I mean, that's what they are. They're fads. They're things. Uh, a fad is just something that people get really excited, uh, really enthusiastic about, and it just doesn't last. And so it kind of comes and it goes. Here today, gone tomorrow. And, you know, kids have closets full of these kind of things over the years. We probably have, if we kept them, or if you have memorabilia boxes, sometimes you can go through and see things that, that connect you with part of your story. There's nothing wrong with fads. This isn't criticism. It's just the reality is it, it doesn't last. It happens in gifts. It happens in fashion. Every generation has fads that they go through. And, and you can sometimes see you know, the pictures. And one generation's fad becomes the next generation's embarrassment. You know, I I'm, I'm uh, grew up in the 80s for w girls in the 80s. If you're an 80s girl, it was the big hair, remember? Aquanet and big hair. And guys, it was rolling sleeves and rolling jeans and, and things like that. If the 70s, I think it was bell bottoms in the 70s, wasn't it? You know, I mean, we could go on and on. You, you, you get the point. There are things that come. There are things that go. Jesus talks about, in, in an indirect way, the, the danger of fads, of, of becoming attached, too attached, to things that, that don't necessarily last or that occupy our attention that, that aren't meant to, to necessarily occupy our attention. In this chapter, in, in the fullness of the chapter, he talks about some of these signs of the end times. Again, Ma Mark 13, you can go read Matthew 24. They're very, very similar. And, and some of the signs and the turmoil and, and tribulation that will come around those last days. One of the fads that the church falls prey to every once in a while, um, sometimes generationally and, and over the, the decades and, and um, centuries, is this idea that we're going to try to figure out when all this is going to happen. 
you know? You, you, you know this. In the 1530s, it was going on with the Anabaptists. We're going we're gonna to figure out and we're going to go camp out because we've got it figured out when Jesus is coming. And in the 1840s, I'm sorry, in the, in the 1840s, it was the Millerites. And, and they did the same thing. We got it figured out. And, and we can trace through years when, when, when groups have fallen into this. And it's happened a number of times just in the last few generations. Uh, I've told the story before. I remember when I was in the eighth grade, some, somebody, I don't remember who, predicted it. To pre- it was September, I'm sorry, not the eighth grade, of my ninth grade year. I was in September because I remember I had chemistry. And I've always said that I prayed Jesus would come to get me out of chemistry. Um, and he had the day picked, and it didn't happen. And I was so disappointed. And um, in 2011, just within the last seven years or so ago, uh, Harold Camping, you remember that name? He had May, May 21st of 2011, Jesus was coming back. May 22nd, he had to revise. And so it was October 21st that Jesus was coming back. October came and went. The, you know, and, and again, it's, it's this, it, it's a fad. It's, it's kind of buying into this fervor. And, and I don't mean that we all do that. I'm just saying it surfaces. And, and unfortunately, what the church too often forgets is that Jesus kind of turned us away from that tendency. If we pay attention, what does Jesus say? He says, of that day, the angels don't know. The son doesn't know. Nobody knows but the father. And so I, I think Jesus is trying to say to us, don't, don't get caught up into this question of when is it going to happen. See, here's what I want to say to you. That's the wrong question. The question and buying into this trap of when's it going to happen and trying to figure out when it's going to happen and what generation it will be, that is not the question Jesus wants his followers to ask. This is the question he wants us to ask. How should we live until the day comes? How should we live? What does it mean to be preparing for the coming of Christ? Because the the irony is, the the people of, of Israel, they knew of the promised Messiah. They knew that he was coming. They understood the scriptures said that this day will come and they had their scholars and they had the religious leaders and they had their teachers and they were all trying to figure out when it was going to happen. And you know what? Most of them missed it. The story of the birth of Christ is a story about missing the birth of Christ because all the people that were in the know weren't there. Remember it was shepherds and it was foreigners. That's not the question we're called to ask as we Wait for this day when things will be set anew, when, when it will come and it will happen. But the question for us to ask is, how are we to live until that day comes? Who are we called to be? And so Jesus says something that is so easy to miss in all of, all of this kind of apocryphal um, prophecy. It's so easy to miss these really powerful yet foundational words, and it's verse 34 or 31. Jesus says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. Everything you see around you is temporary in some sense. It's a fad in some sense. Maybe longer than we naturally assume it to be, but it's not forever. It's not eternal. But my words My words are what you need to be affixed to, focused on, 
in order to be attentive to that which will last. My words. And so for us, as we begin this season, as we look forward to the celebration, but we're constantly looking beyond what was to what will be, because we celebrate the kingdom that has come in the birth of Christ, and we long for the establishment of the fullness of that kingdom, we, we've, been, we've been called before as an in-between people. We live between kingdoms, the kingdom that has come, but the kingdom that is not yet. Jesus came to show us what the kingdom of God looked like. He gave us a picture of that. And we wait for the day when that kingdom will be established in full glory. But in the meantime, what is our foundation? What's that which will last? And our call is to be fixed to the words of Christ. Because it is in his words, it's in his teaching, it's in the way that he lived that he shows us who we are to be in the in-between times. What the character and quality of our lives, what we're to embody in this time when it could be tumultuous and it could be full of dangers and difficulties. In fact, often is. But, but our focus isn't looking and trying to figure out when it's all going to end, but who we're called to be in the meantime. My words. My words. And so, you know, we could spend years just going through, and we should, the words of Jesus. And if you have a red letter Bible, you know, you can go through and you can pick out the words of Jesus. But what are some of the things Jesus teaches us? What are some of the things that, the, that he calls us to be? And who does he call us to be? Well, for me, the foundational teaching, or going to some of that, is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Anybody know what Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is? Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, I knew Max would know. Sermon on the Mount. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus gives us an, his words that, that shape our lives. Jesus says crazy stuff in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says things like, you know, it's hurt an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? Somebody does something to you, you get them back. Somebody wrongs you, you wrong them. Somebody hurts you, you hurt them. And people go, yeah, that's, that's right. Vengeance, get even. And Jesus says, but I say to you, do not resist the evildoer. Huh? What? Do not resist the evildoer. Jesus says crazy stuff like, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who you like the least. Remember, he challenged us. He said, well, what good does it do you to love those who love you? He says, even the Pharisees do that. Throw them under the bus a little bit. He says, that's easy. And it is. But that's not the kingdom. The kingdom, God's love, even for those who are the hardest to love. This is good news for us because I got word for you. Some of you in here <laughs> are the hard to love people. And so am I. And so am I. And so, are, you know, so, so that's good news for us too. But he says that's, that's who you're called to love. He, he says just, just not so things like if somebody sues you for your cloak, give them your shirt as well. If somebody makes you walk one mile, walk two. You know, go the extra for those who you're called to love. The ones that are hard to love. He says things like care for the needy, care for the poor. In Matthew 6, he starts off with this. And, and we go, yeah, we should do that. But he says, oh yeah, but when you do it, don't honk your, you know, don't, don't, 
don't uh, honk your own horn. Don't pat yourself on the back. Do it secretly. You know, do it so that you don't get glory for it. And that's hard in a society where we love to pat ourselves on the back. And, and, and it's getting even harder because we love to put everything on social media. Look what I did. Look what I'm doing. Jesus says you do it not for your glory, but because it's the work of the kingdom. It begins to turn the ways of the world upside down. That's what Jesus says over and over again. He takes the social structures. He takes the values. He takes the, what the world prioritizes, and he flips it upside down. And he says it's not recognition. It's humility. It's not getting. It's giving. It's not serve, being served, but serving. These are the things that Jesus over and over speaks to. It's loving the unlovable. It's forgiving the unforgivable. Because these are the ways that Christ has treated us. And we're called to be watchful. And remember, when Jesus says, watch, it's not passive. It's not that kind of thing where you just sit and you camp out and you look and you wait. But Jesus is always about going, doing, and being. His invitation to those first disciples is not, let's sit and have a conversation. But it's, come and follow me. Learn in the movement. Learn in the, in the, in the activity of, of living faith and, and growing in relationship. And that's who we're called to be. You know, Christ's words, his, his teaching, his example, that's what lasts. Everything else fades away, even our styles of remembering this. It's funny, we call this traditional worship. Because we sing hymns, and, that, and that's a, a, an okay title, there's nothing wrong with that. But if we were really traditional, you all should be doing Gregorian chant, right? I mean, that goes further back. Traditional is only the last 500 years. Some of you remember when they introduced it? No, sorry. Um, just kidding, just kidding. Um, it's, a, it's basically hymnody, which, which is what we utilize in this service, which is wonderful and rich and valuable. But that's a Protestant Reformation thing, you know? And, and my point is that our worship styles differ, and they will change. They will, they will change. If, if, if it is God's will that another 500 years come and gone, this will not be probably the worship style in 500 years. But the words won't change. Jesus won't change. The foundation of our faith won't change. Architecture and music preferences and... Liturgy, that changes, but that's not the foundation. Jesus' words is the foundation. That's what shapes us. As we enter Advent, as we enter preparation, how are we actively preparing in what we do and, and who we are? And are we looking not to the styles and the preferences, but to the words of Jesus, which shape us, which form us, which make us who we are? Everything else is here today, gone tomorrow. We can value it, we can treasure it, we can enjoy it while it's here. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But it's not eternal. Christ is eternal. Our relationship with God through Christ has the promise of the gift of eternity. And the words of Jesus will not fade away. The kingdom values that he inaugurated will come to fullness. The day will come when that is the reality, the blessed promise that we will receive. But until that time, we're called to be busy, active, and involved. 
Live Jesus. That's how we prepare. Love your enemy. Go the extra mile. Serve with no need for recognition. Be like Christ. Because it is his words and his, his life that will not pass away. It is here today. And I promise you, brothers and sisters, it will be here tomorrow. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we, we do pray that your spirit would strengthen us for the, for the, the, the time of, of preparation. That, that means we're busy and we're about the work that you've called us to. And that we would model who you are, your life, your teaching, your example. In all things that, that we would be rooted on that which will not pass away, which is the rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ, who you are and the example you've given. May that shape all that we do to your glory and to your honor. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen.